Amen. Be blessed as you give. And now Pastor Cameron will introduce our guest speaker. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right. Yeah, it's great to be here this morning with you, and I'm glad you are here. You're in, you are in for a, a big treat. I'm not speaking, so you, it's even a better treat uh, because we have a guest speaker, James Harris, pastor of Trenches Community Church. I've known Pastor James for many years, and New Day and Trenches have worked together uh, through many events uh, over the years, especially with the JLK uh, outreach event each summer. We've co-hosted sites, but uh, other uh, venues as well that we've worked together at. I see Pastor James really as a spiritual pillar in our community. He's very, very well respected because he's, he's a man of God. He speaks with uh, incredible wisdom and anointing, and it's a real honor for us to host him this morning um, it was uh, in the fall of each year, the pastoral team gathers together, and we put a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation into not only what we're going to preach, our preaching series that we plan out, but also who we will ask to come in and be guest speakers. And it was uh, late last year that really felt that we wanted to have Pastor James um, in to share because we believe that there's um, an anointing that he has and a message that we need. And, you know, when, when we come to hear a sermon, we receive information, and information is good. But above and beyond that, there's an impartation. As Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he said, I eagerly desire to come and visit you so I can impart a spiritual impartation, a spiritual gift. And so just by coming and being in our presence, we can receive something spiritual. So I pray that your hearts, your minds are open to receive. And would you give a big welcome to Pastor James? Come on up, brother. Preach the word. I think, I, I think I'm, I think I'm a little lighter than you are. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't want to be injured like Kathy Spaulding falling off bikes and stuff. Is she still here? Or did she leave? Yeah. Man, thank you guys so much um, for having me. Um, my wife, she could not attend because she's taking. Um, my number six grandkid back to Atlanta um, yesterday, and she'll be back later on this evening. You know, so my beautiful wife, we've been together um, for 42 years, and we, we've been, wait, wait, wait a minute, let me finish. 42 years we've been together, but we've been married for 35 years. All right, so, and we have um, three kids that are grown, and Seven grandkids have been birthed out of those three kids, you know, so we're, we're blessed um, as a family, you know, so I want to just thank Pastor Cameron and Kathy for having us, Trenches Community Church, because if you got me, you have them also. Um, I hope that God is rocking the house at Trenches um, today, so thank you so much for allowing me to come to speak. You know, these guys, man, they, you know, they came in here giving each each other kisses and all, all that mushy wushy stuff, right? But I think, go ahead, boom, all right? I really do think, like, a, the congregation really loves to see the pastor and his wife get along, you know? And it encourages, it encourages those who are not married to get married. Uh, seriously, 
that has happened at trenches. People have, they see how my wife and I, we get along, and they was like, man, I want what you guys have. We're getting married, like, next week, Pastor. No, no I'm just kidding. But um, thank you guys so much for, uh, for having me. We're going to go ahead and dive in. I think I've been doing pretty good with my timing. Yes. Yes. So let's pray. Father, um, I was looking at this painting, and I'm thinking that this means wind, blow, breathe. So, Lord, we're asking this morning that you would breathe on us. Yes, that you would refresh us, that you would bring life to us. You said that you have come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And we want to experience that God kind of life today. So, Lord, we surrender this service over to the Holy Spirit, who is the master teacher. He knows where each and every one of us are in our lives, what we need, what we need to hear. So, Lord, uh, in the midst of me talking, Lord, I'm believing that you're going to be talking, Lord, to each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, this message today... Um, some of you guys probably heard this message before, um, and you probably have this message. It's like, I got that, and I'm doing that. I want to encourage you that if you already have it, you're responsible for giving it. And I'm learning how to pause when I teach so that the Holy Spirit can speak. All right? You know, so if you have the message... If I got this, if I'm doing this, if I'm practicing this, you're responsible for making disciples, right? So while we're talking, be thinking about like, okay, God, who else needs to hear this? Because the Father has given all of us a platform to do ministry on. And the platform that he's given us, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling man back to him and man to one another. He's given each and every one of us. So wherever you are, for 40 plus hours a week, that's your platform to do ministry. Right? Because we all know, okay, that we are the ecclesia, we are the church, we are the called out ones, all right, we, we're, we're called out to assemble together, but also we're called out to also go back in, right? So everyone, I hope I don't step on anybody's feet, you know, as, as far as our doctrine or whatever, but everyone is a minister. Everyone is a minister. Everyone is a servant of Jesus Christ, you know, so we want to encourage you to be thinking, how could I use this message on the platform that God has given me? In my school, whoever I work for, the business that I own, the influences or the influence that I have, you know, in my community, how can I use this to impact my world? Okay, we got that? Cool. I want to talk about today revival in reconciliation. Say that with me. Revival in reconciliation. All right. And particularly 
ethnic reconciliation. Okay? Now, um, for those of you that know me, I'm kind of like the love guy. I just love people. Right? How I many of y'all got that annoying? Just like, I just love people. I just, just I mean, I can't, I can't walk around with things in my heart against my brothers and sisters. You know, if something goes wrong, I'm looking to get it right. How many of you guys are like that? Okay. You know, so I'm the love guy, and I love to see the family getting along. I love to see the family getting along. I dislike division in any form or fashion. When things go wrong in our family and our family and my biological family, we're not getting along that just like, ugh, can't handle that. We need to get it right with one another, right? You know, and I just really believe God is saying to the big C church, we need to get it right with one another. Because us getting it right with one another is going to produce a revival that we've never experienced before. How many of you guys have been praying for revival? Okay. Now, revival is not going to look the way that you think it's going to look. Because if we decide how revival is going to look, then that makes us bigger than God. Right? So God shows up when he wants to. He uses who he wants to. Okay? And he does it the way that he wants to. Because he's God. <laughs> right? Right? Sometimes we try to plan the way that God is going to do things. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it another way. When, I, when we first started Trenches, man, I just I had all these thoughts and stuff like, this is the way that things are going to go. I had it all planned out. And God like, no, nah, we're not going to do it that way. <laughs> Before I do something through you, James, I'm going to have to do something in you. <laughs> and that's the training ground. Like, ouch, I didn't know that was there, God. Well, it's there, and we need to deal with it so that I can do something through you, right? Okay? So we want to talk about revival and reconciliation. Now, I didn't read this at the Vine Street Church and then also um, this morning, but if you could turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And Paul is talking to the Gentiles, those who were outside of the nation of Israel. And he was just basically encouraging them that they were dead in their sins, that they did walk according to the course of the prince of the power there. They were children of disobedience, you know, and so forth. And he was encouraging them that, you know, but since Christ has come, now you guys are in the house. You're a part of the family. You're, you're in covenant um, with God just like the Jews are. You know, so he drops down in verse 11. It says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh 
by hands. Now, um, uncircumcision is not a term of endearment. That is not a term like, yeah, we, we love the Gentiles. <laughs> no, that, that was a term putting Gentiles down, making Gentiles feel like they were inferior. Um, they were called heathens, you know, because they weren't a part of the family. In other words, um, the Jews had developed this mentality that um, created, you know, uh, an exclusive Jewish club that only Jews could be a part of, all right, and Gentiles, you guys can't be a part of this club. But God never set it up like that. He, he never set it up like that. God's original intent was for Israel to be a light to the Gentiles and all the world and bring salvation, right? Okay, and you can um, study that out in Isaiah 49, 6, I believe it is, and Acts chapter 13, verse 35. You know, it talks a little bit more about that in depth. So, um, and then verse 12, it says that, all, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now. Okay. But now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now this, this applies, um, in, in this context, this applies to Jews and Gentiles who had a very hostile relationship. In other words, they didn't get along. Right. But Jesus comes on the scene, right, sheds his blood on Calvary, and it says that through this, he has broken down the middle wall of separation. So Christ is not pleased with a segregated church. God has called us to be desegregated. I didn't say that. He said it. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at him. He has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. So guess what, church? Jesus was an abolitionist. I didn't write that because <laughs> I'm looking like, ah, Jesus, you are an abolitionist. I didn't see that before. Now, we know what uh, to abolish. He, he, he put an end to a system or a practice that the, Jew, the, the, the Jews were practicing. He put an end to that system, no longer a Jewish club. Uh, I am a God of inclusion. 
everybody can be a part of the kingdom. Everybody can be a part of the kingdom. So, so what am I trying to say here is that God's original intent was for the family to get along. Don't you guys like silence? <laughs> that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making what? Peace. <sighs> Watch this. And that, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now anywhere you see cross and blood, you automatically think sacrifice. And where you see cross and blood, that's holy. That's holy ground where you see cross, blood, sacrifice. That's holy ground. How many of you guys remember when Moses went up to the mountain and, and, and God said, take your shoes off. The place that you stand is holy ground. And one of the reasons why he had to take his shoes off because that um, exemplified it was symbolic of dirt on your shoes. And, and, and we've adopted that within our culture is that when you go over some people's homes, you know, the, the proper thing to do is before you walk into their home is what? Take off your shoes because they don't want dirt tracked through the home, right? So this is what I believe my interpretation of this is that where you got blood and, and you got a sacrifice, and, and, and you got the cross, this is holy ground, and God is saying, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. What that means is, don't bring your dirt into this holy place. Reconciliation is holy ground. So when God starts talking to us about this, he's saying, don't bring your mess in here. And if you do bring your mess in here, let me wash it. And at times, we'll bring all of our little stuff in there. And God say, take the shoes off. Reverence me. This is my heart. This is who I am. This is what I'm all about as a family. Now, what I'm starting to realize is this reconciliation piece and revival are kind of connected. And all of us have been praying like, God, move in our city. 
If you haven't been praying that for God to move in our city, move in your schools, all right, maybe uh, you might be missing it a little bit right now because this is the wave and we need to get on it. We need to ride this, you know, because God is moving within this region. All over, everywhere you go. We were on our way to Africa I'm in February with a group of people, you know, and, uh, and, I, and I forgot where, we, I think we was in Turkey, um, you know, and, um, you know, it was a guy sitting with, a, he had the, the um, collar on, the priest collar thingy, uh, you know, and guy was like, go over there and talk to him, you know, and I went over there to introduce myself, and we started talking, and he was from Nairobi, and, um, and I was like, where are you going? And he was like, I'm going to Nairobi, a group of pastors, we're getting together, you know, um, we do this at like every three years or something, we get together and, you know, encourage one another and so forth. And I was like, I was like asking, what is, what am I doing around the world? You know, I was like, so pastor, what do you believe God is doing around the world right now? You know what he said? Unity. You know, and, and that might just be simple for you, but, but God is speaking to people all over the place about getting this thing together, all over the place. Because I believe, again, it's going to usher in the next great revival. Now we have to describe, we got, we got to define what does revival look like. So I need you guys to help me with this. What does revival look like to you? So this is your opportunity to participate in the service. Okay, this is your opportunity to respond. So, you know, just all over the room, what does revival look like to you? Just shout it out. Repentance, thank you. What? All, all together? All right, yes, yes. Forgiveness, revival looks like forgiveness. A few, three, four other people. Reconciliation. Flowing spirit, or flowing in the spirit, or flowing spirit? Yes, yes, ma'am. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Loving who? Your neighbor. Oh, he had a deep voice. He was like, loving your neighbor. All right. Simba, all that you see <laughs> is yours. Mufasa. <laughs> How many of you guys went to go see The Lion King? Now, you know The Lion King is a God movie. Now, I say that because, right, Patricia, Patricia, no, I, I love it. Man, I've been talking about The Lion King for 15 years. And I'm not going to talk about The Lion King today. All right? So, let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. So we're, we're kind of getting like, ah, God wants this family together. Okay, and he's broken down, all right, the, the wall of separation. And that wasn't just for Gen Jews and Gentiles, you know, and, and, and because the tension between these two ethnic groups in our country is so intense, we're going we're gonna to bring it home, all right, and, 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 and apply it to our life. There's, there's tension between blacks and whites.
I'll just walk down this street by myself then. The tension is still there. And believe it or not, it's in the church too. And that might be the reason why we haven't experienced a revival yet. Maybe. I want you to think about it. God might be saying, get this together and I'll answer your prayer. Because there's certain atmospheres that God loves to show up in. And I remember one time I was asking God, I was praying, like, God, what's the next move for trenches? What we doing next? And I was praying and praying and wasn't hearing nothing. Nothing. And I've never been in that position before. Like, God, what, what are you, how come I'm not hearing you? And I kept hearing this, like, little, you know, that little voice. Uh, um, remember that lady that offended you? And then I would put that to the side, like, man, I ain't even dealing with that. I don't have nothing against that lady. God, what do you want us to do next at Trenches? You know you need to get it right with that lady. Let me put that to the side again, because we good. God, what's next for trenches? Then I finally submitted like, man, let me call this lady. And I was like, man, when you, when you did this or said that, man, that offended me. And she was like, I ain't even know I offended you, <laughs> right? So we got it right on the phone. This is a, tr I'm not making this up, guys. This is a true story. I was at trenches praying. After I got it right with the lady. God, what do you want us to do at trenches? This is what I want you to do next. It blew me away. It changed the way that I thought concerning people doing ministry on the platforms that God has given them because at times we always want people to come to a building and not encourage them to do ministry outside of the building. So I had to learn to respect people who didn't do ministry um, inside of a building and they were doing ministry outside of the building and their ministry outside of the building was just as important as what we did when we gathered. So what I'm trying to say here, guys, is at times, all right, God wants to breathe on something, but we're not willing to pay the price and get rid of offenses, get rid of the, you know, the, 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 the enmity, get rid of the traditions, get rid of the things that's hindering us from hearing the voice of God. And sometimes it's just, a, it's just that little thing that you've been putting aside forever. 
And God's been putting it in your spirit, in your heart, and you'll let it fade away for a season. And then he'll bring it back up until we decide, like, okay, God, I'm going to walk in this courageously. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Now, I think this is how revival looks. And, and let me say this. It's like I'm not saying that revival is not happening. I'm not saying that because it is. You know, what I'm saying is that I think that there's more. I just think that there's more, especially for our region. Okay. So it says, while Peter was still speaking, what time am I supposed to be finished? 12 to 20 after? What the, man, that time went by fast. I think the worship team took some of my time. God. Lord, Lord, forgive me for being. Because I want to hear you, Lord. I forgive the worship team for taking. <laughs> the, the worship team. Let me quit getting off course. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon. Say, fell upon. Say, who fell? The Holy Spirit fell upon. Now, this is revival. All those who heard the word, because we pray like Holy Spirit fall. <laughs> like, come. <laughs> right? It's like Holy Spirit come, right? So the Holy Spirit is, is coming or has come, right? And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Now, when revival happens, you're astonished. You don't walk away like, oh, God, that was cool that people got saved. That was, you know. you're like, whoa, did you just see what happened? Right? So the people believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because in the, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been what? Poured out on the Gentiles for they heard them speak with tongues. Shan dan dan dan. Right? <laughs> tongues still in the Bible, guys. Okay, let me leave that alone. For they heard them speak with tongues and what? Magnify God. So God was magnified. He was glorified. Okay. He was highlighted. When revival happens, God is highlighted. Okay. You don't walk away when God shows up, all right, at trenches. You don't walk away talking about trenches. You walk away talking about God. <laughs> when God shows up at New Day, you don't walk away talking about man. New day or pastor right, you walk away like, man, God. Then it says, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who, were, who have received the Holy Spirit? So you got people being born again. You got people being filled with the Holy Spirit. You got people being baptized. God is, they're astonished. All right, God is magnified. This is revival. This is, this is revival happening. Okay. We can't fake revival. Because all of us done experienced this. When God breathes on something, 
Your life has changed forever. You're not the same. And some of us experience these personal revivals in our lives, even when we're in our prayer time and our study time. All right, God would breathe on something, and then all of a sudden we're changed, and we walk out of our home the light of the world. Right? So how did, how did they get there? How, how did the Holy Spirit show up the way that he showed up in Acts chapter 4, verse uh, and through for verse 47. How did that happen? What, what happened before that? And that's really what I want to hit on for a few minutes, is what happened, what led up to that? Now, if you're familiar with this um, passage of scriptures and this context, if you're familiar with it, we, we all know, okay, that, that Peter had to go and connect with a Gentile. In other words, Peter had to walk across the room. And the Gentile had to walk across the room. So what am I saying here is, as the church of Jesus Christ, because these were two different ethnicities, and they had to walk across the room, so what I'm saying here is, guys, God is challenging us and calling us to walk across the room and connect with people who don't look like us, who don't have the same cultural background as us, who don't have the same upbringing as us. Now, I tell people at trenches, I don't preach a message 99.9% .9 of the time. I don't preach a message all right, that I'm not actually practicing. Sometimes I preach a message because I'm getting an understanding about something, you know, and I might not be totally walking in that, but God has given me a revelation about it and I want to share it. But this type of stuff, I'm walking this stuff out. Is that it's hard to walk across the room, right, and go start hanging out with somebody that don't look like you, don't have the same cultural background as you, don't have the same upbringing as you, that's a difficult thing to do. But we have to do it with courage and boldness and out of obedience to God. You know, I, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a, for the most part, I'm a very transparent guy, you know, because I want the truth. I, I don't want this thing all covered over. You know, I want the reality of God. I want the presence of God. I, I want God to correct me. I want God to change me. I don't want to be the same. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So, Jesus, whatever I got to do to be like you, so be it. If it's going to produce pain, Lord, do it. Because I'd rather experience the pain of changing rather than the pain of staying the same. So, at times, I have to walk across the room and I have to be in a room where I'm the only African American in the room. And I don't mind doing that, all right, because I want God's will to be done. God, if you want me to be a change agent as it relates to ethnic reconciliation, God, I'll do it. And even to preach a message like this, it makes people very uncomfortable. 
I see you guys sweating. I don't want to preach this message the same way that you probably don't want to hear it. <laughs> like, okay, God, do I got to do this? Like, yeah, you, you have to. You know, so I, I walk across the room, you know, but then I see the beauty in my brother in Christ that I've never seen before. And I see the beauty of God in them and working through them. And I'm like, whoa, God, thanks for allowing me to see another part of you. Because if I wouldn't have connected with my brother in Christ who does not look like me, God, I probably wouldn't have been able to see you the way that I see you today. And it changed Watch this. If you read this on your own, when God told Peter to walk across the room, it changed his perspective about Gentiles. <sighs> to the point, right, that he went into a Gentile's home. And he said, do you know what's happening? Because it's unlawful for a Jew to keep company with another person from another nation. Ha! In other words, man, Cornelius, psh, this ain't my upbringing. We don't do this as Jews. <laughs> but then he said, all right, that God showed up, he changed my life, and the transformation that I experienced in his presence has caused me to walk across the room. Come on, church. Right? Now I'm going to end with this. Man, I could, oh, I could preach this for like four, four days. We need a four-day revival. I'm going to end with this. This is the part that just really is a blessing to me is when Peter went to Cornelius' home, okay, Cornelius fell on his knees. How many of you guys remember that? He fell on his knees, all right, and the Bible actually said this, and worshiped him. <laughs> wow. He fell on his knees and worshiped him. Worshiped, all right, Peter, who was a Jew. So it was this superior and inferior thing going on. It's in here, guys. So you have the Gentile standing or sitting or kneeling at the feet of the Jew. And then Peter says, but Peter lifted him up. <sighs> Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. <sighs> so what is that saying? That is saying, all right, that God has not created us 
inferior or superior to one another. He's created us equal. And when we see a brother or a sister who is down, we're supposed to say, stand up. We're equal to one another because if you read in Genesis, the Bible says this, God said, let them have dominion. God was speaking to all of humanity in Adam. He said, let them have dominion. So God has created us to dominate together, to rule together. So what happened here? is Peter had to humble himself. And we've been taught around here this year, when I say we, the body of Christ, all right, we've been talking about grace and truth. So Peter had to humble himself, and you know what the Bible says about people who are humble. He gives grace to the humble. And through my studies, grace always equals power. By grace you are saved. Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. All right, the spirit of grace. So this is what I want to leave you with today, church. I want to leave you with, man, read Acts 10 and allow God to speak to you. Next, I want to leave you. Walk across the room. Connect with people like me. Right? Because it's going to produce, I can guarantee you, it's going to produce a release of the spirit like we've never experienced before. Right? I want to leave you with, man, humble yourself. See every person equal. (sighs) Every person equal and believe God you know that this church and the body of Christ that will continue to pursue a multicultural multi-ethnic multi-generational church that looks like the body of Christ in heaven amen amen thank you guys so much